0: Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, thanks for uh, joining the Strategy Cafe. Uh, for those of you who are new to the webinar, uh, it's designed as a uh, leadership magazine, and it's free. Uh, so if you like it, uh, do please share it. And we hope that you are inspired to change something in your own leadership uh, and, and in your business. Um, and um, the recording of today's session will be up on our website a little bit later on uh, so you can share it with others if there was insight in here that you thought would be useful um, back at back at the ranch as it were. Uh, I'm really excited about our forthcoming attractions. Um, on the 16th in particular, um, we um, hope to have uh, Nick Easter, defence coach at Quinn's. Uh, Nick and I met uh, recently uh, and uh, had a fantastic conversation about um, key performance indicators Uh, Really thinking about measuring performance, I was just quite interested to talk to him about how they use that in um, Premiership and international rugby Um, Really interesting conversation about when KPIs work When KPIs are leading you in completely the wrong direction Reading KPIs in in context, it's a really fantastic sort of breakdown Of how to measure and understand measures in looking at individual performance So that should be an absolutely superb uh, strategy cafe, so um, please register for that. It's kind of a unique opportunity. I think and then we're hoping that Nick will also be our keynote in January for the next directors forum uh, the subject there um, sort of in the dark part of the year after Christmas we're going to look at resilience and purpose um, uh, Your energy and your bounce back ability as a leader uh, And I just thought the key uh, the keynote from Nick uh, on uh, Rugby coaching digging deep to win, you know when you're on the back foot uh, when you're in the heart of a difficult match uh, would be fantastic place to go. So uh, here will be our keynote uh, on the 24th of January. And then coming up on the 23rd of November, we're starting our Executives Leaders Forum. Uh, so the first one's going to be free. Um, so the invitation's going to come out to you all soon. Um, the, it's designed for people who are in major leadership positions, uh, not yet at directors, not in a directorship position. So um, a, a room full of peers starting to think about how to have an impact on their own leadership and create that leadership one-page plan a three-hour session up in London uh, with networking to follow, so um, please come along to that. It's our inaugural session and um, uh, we think it's going to be fantastic and looking forward to meeting some of you there. So I'm absolutely delighted this morning to have Darren Hayward uh, as our leader interviewee. Uh, Darren, as uh, some of you may know, is managing partner at uh, at Knuckles Solicitors. Uh, Morning Darren. Good morning, Nick. Thank you for inviting me to come along. It's a real pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, Fantastic to have you. Um, So um, tell us all about you and tell us about Knuckles. Okay, so by way of background, so we are a a law firm. Um, We currently
1: have 13 partners, around about 150 staff. We have two offices. We are based in Bishop's Dwarfford, which is just outside Stansted Airport. And uh, we've been in Bishop's Dwarfford for around about 108 years, a very established law firm uh, in Bishop's Dwarfford. And then four years ago, we took the plunge and entered the London market and we opened an office uh, in the city of London, um, which has gone extremely well. So by way of background of the firm, we're a multidiscipline firm. We cover the entire spectrum of legal services, have dedicated lawyers in, in, in specialist fields. And, and the business is really split into three. So we have what we call private clients. So when people need client lawyers throughout their life, so we have a residential property team, a, a probate and wills team, a family team, clinical negligence, agricultural contested probates. That's the private client part of the business. We have a commercial part of the business. So we have a commercial property team, a litigation team, employment, company commercial, dealing with commercial and business matters for clients and then we have an international team we set that about five six years ago helping British people who have interests litigation property interests uh, around the uh, uh, around the world so uh, we've grown quite significantly um, over the last few years myself well I joined Knockholes in uh, about 2003 Uh, I'm an employment lawyer uh, by background, I became a partner at Knuckles in around about 2006 and then um, was elected two th- in 2010 as, as managing partner and I, I'm still there today uh, as managing partner of Knuckles. So as I say, multidisciplinary firm based in Stortford and in London um, and we've
0: seen some really good growth for the last few years. I, I was uh, really pleased to hear about that. You were um, uh, talking to me about the, uh, the level of growth. I, uh, give us, just give us an idea of the numbers. Um... Okay, so as I say, we
1: were uh we've been in Bishop Stortford and a very if I can put it bluntly, a very traditional high street firm for a significant period of time, operating on the very traditional partnership model. Um we were around about for the vast majority of our history around about 2.5, 3 million. Uh, when I took over in 2010 we were in about 3.2 million and then uh, with various things that we've put in place um, we've grown over the last six seven years to just under eight million and then we have a vision our 2020 vision if we set it to, to, to reach 10 million so it's entirely organic growth so we're in uh, a, a very exciting period of growth for us and, uh, and as I say it's entirely organic but we've really just got a house in order uh, been very clear in what we seek to achieve and, uh, and really just a clear strategy in place and, and we've managed to achieve it and as a result of that we've, uh, we've seen some really good growth and there's real energy about the business
0: uh, I, I particularly liked the Sunday Times list stuff just, uh, just kind of give us that one yeah so what we've done I mean I think lots of our
1: growth over the last few years is I mean my view is what I've come to learn as a, as a managing partner is that you're only as good as the people you have in place I think it probably helps that I'm an employment lawyer to some extent but we've recruited extremely well over the last few years um, and as a result of that we've got some fantastic very talented lawyers and so we're, we're in the various legal uh, directories in terms of leading lawyers in the country but in addition to that I think one of our proudest proudest achievements is that first we managed to achieve with I think one of the very few law firms to achieve achieve investors in people gold and then for the last three years we have been included in the Sunday Times top 100 places to work for in the UK so we we started off at number 60 went down to 56 and then this year in February we work on we were ranked number 23 in the top 100 places to work for so we're very proud of that and it's a credit to all the people that we've got on board
0: um, I just think that's wonderful and uh, I think it's also kind of really interesting we'll come on I know we're gonna come on to it but I really I think it's really interesting that uh, you guys have been very successful um, starting out as a high street firm, really as a general practice firm, uh, and you're still sort of holding to the value of that general practice firm and pushing it forwards. But I was just going to make a comment. I know I know your partners uh, pretty well because we work with knock holes quite a lot, and uh, just find them great people, great bunch of people to work with. Um, but we all know also that in the, the you know partnership environment is you know it's an odd uh, management environment. Um, I always say it's a bit like a PLC where you know all of the major shareholders turn up to work and expect to have a vote on all the decisions so they get confused about where, why they're there and everyone finds that tough so just interested to know how you've got that alignment amongst your partners to drive the firm forward, what did you do and how did you make that happen? Okay, well,
1: Nick, we were very much the traditional partnership. I mean, if you had to to I think of a, a traditional partnership, we re- reflected just that. So, re- in around about 2009, 2010, we have nine we had nine partners. I mean, when I joined the firm, I could see there was real potential, but I think partnerships, most professional practices operate as a partnership, and it's it's probably the, arguably one of the worst ways to run a business because you get a group of guys, people, or individuals around a table, and they've all put their money into the pot, so therefore they all want their say, but there's no real sense of management so again by way of example we used to meet as a partnership every third Wednesday of every month Uh, we'd probably just see the very same agenda that we had the previous month we talked about the very same things we talked about the previous month and um, on the very rare occasions we ever made a decision uh, nobody ever did anything about it I think we even strategy we'd, we'd, we'd think of a strategy but then nobody was responsible for for implementing the strategy and I think that's one of our problems so we were in effect really nine sole practitioners uh, looking after our teams, looking after our clients, but moving in very different directions, uh, and there was no real sense of collectivism at all. And we were, as I say, nice sole practitioners under one umbrella, um, and we had no real sense of membership uh, of leadership. We all got them very well, we all liked each other, um, yeah. but we weren't really, we were drifting as a, as, a, as, a, as a partnership. So what we did was really take the decision to say, hold on a minute, why don't we just think about adopting a more corporate Approach, and um, rather than in lots of partnerships that you know you identify managing partners and say, well you have a go you see how you get on what we decided to do was really to think about how we wanted to deal with this because it was a real major change for us so we drafted I drafted a, a job description for a managing partner um, and we decided to have a structure where we'd have a managing partner and a very small management board consisting of three and rather than just somebody say okay I'll have a go what we did for the very first time was hold an election and um, it was was a contested election and so a number of partners stood and even to this day when I got elected I didn't know who voted for me so I was elected managing partner we also had a, a management board election and as I said the politics which often exists in partnerships was eradicated we managed to to, to wade away through that and we had elected a managing partner and a management board and for the very first time in our 180 year history the the partnership had spoken so as I said I don't know who voted for me it was a secret ballot. Ballot, but the simple fact that one individual had been given the mandate to be the managing partner and we had a management board and that fundamentally Nick, liberated the partnership and what yeah. we did for the very first time was have a structure whereby we actually made a decision of partnership and then somebody had the responsibility of implementing it's really interesting we the, the management board does not make the decisions the partners make the decision or my yeah. job isn't the management board job is really implement it and once we communicated that to the staff and 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 quite clearly we got it right at the top, then that just led us to, to, to start moving the firm forward. I think we should have done it perhaps decades before, but for us, that was a fundamental watershed in our, in our very long history.
0: I think it's a really great point you make about who is making the decisions and who's doing the implementing. Um, so we come across this all the time in helping partnerships move forwards. This and uh, Often you get a resistance or a uh, sense of difficulty amongst the partner team to the idea of um, giving a smaller group, a sub team, um, what appears like delegated authority to run it, um, they get nervous, um, having been that sort of chambers, if you like, uh, for uh, many years about losing uh, their influence. But I think your approach is the right approach, which is to really be accountable to the partner team, and that doing that well, you know, communicating really well, for me, always seems to be the key to keeping them on board with your authority.
1: Yeah, I mean one again it's you know it's all very well looking back now and go that was a real ch- turning point but for us as well it brought its own challenges because whilst yeah. certain parts were not we not really interested in, in management they wanted just to do the loyal work so to speak they equally yeah. felt rather uncomfortable about delegating responsibility to someone else and them having yeah. the responsibility and at the same t- especially since of course they had as much right and of course they put money into the partnership as well so that was one of my biggest challenges and so the way we operated so the rather than than having 12 partners meetings a, a, a year I decided or I proposed that actually we reduce that to three partners meetings a, a year but the management board would would meet on a, on a weekly basis and again I was very fortunate only at that point having nine ten partners so what we do or what we did do and what we do now is that I prepare an agenda for the very small management board um, and then I we, we deal with all the issues and then within literally a couple of hours I try and circulate all the minutes of the management yeah. board to the to the various partners and then again because we have very few partners I I try and pop in uh, throughout that that week just to say look you've, you've read the, the, the minutes is everything okay you feel comfortable about this and so then they can raise any d- issues with me so uh, again we were fortunate to some extent to have a small group of, of partners but you know it was a challenge on the one hand they were quite happy to delegate but at the same time I, I had the responsibility of still empowering them to make they they still felt involved in the management of business and and as time has gone on on. they've had more trust in me and, and it's empowering me but also empowering them and the accountability is two ways, it's in, I have the accountability but equally they have their accountability running their teams and being part of the process as well.
0: I love that and I want to come back to accountability because I think that's also a key point but in the in the middle of that I think that you for me you hit on one of the key issues so I get that um, you know, um, you know we, uh, meetings every two weeks down to meetings once a term, if you like, three three a year. Yeah. It's a huge efficiency in a way for everybody. It frees them up to get on with uh, lawyering, um, and you need in order to move there. And you know the the need for a two weekly communication meeting is because of, in a way, a lack of trust, a, a lack of communication. I think you hit the nail on the head there, where you talk about trust. I, yeah. I think it's quite interesting. We were chatting to uh, one of our other clients yesterday about. Um, you know, the difficulty leaders have with um, conversations sure. and the tendency of people to wander around, you know, pretending everything is alright and being polite not being willing to move into actually discussing and trying to resolve the real issues so we, you know, that that idea of them getting into the emotional conversation, getting into the breakdown getting into the difficult conversation, I think you're really great at that Tell, tell us a little bit about how you go about having those conversations and Okay, well I, I think
1: again just by way by way of background, I think what we what we did is not <clears throat> excuse me, is not only um just create a new partnership structure or more corporate structure and then we started making decisions but then what we did do was enhance significantly communication around the business so what we did or what we do now is that once we so the end of the financial year um, we assess how we've done we then go away as a partnership um, for a weekend and we determine strategy so that's only one of the four four meetings that we have a year and then I come back to the the business and I literally communicate to the entire staff exactly how the firm has done over the last 12 years they know everything Everything about the business the only business the the part of the business they don't know is how much the equity partners earn but they know everything about how the firm has performed how the teams have performed where the the, where the business is right now and also what our strategy is in 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 the future so every member of staff so as I mentioned in passing earlier we have a 2020 vision so everybody in this firm knows about our 2020 vision so we've worked really hard at uh, 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 communication and I'm very happy to be transparent and I think I try and and get everybody in the business to buy in to what we're about and so we're all kind of like rowing in the same directions but on the occasions, you know, I'm quite happy to be transparent and have the trust in, in everybody to say this is what we're about and we all have a responsibility but if people don't Deliver, or they don't take that responsibility. I think everybody in the business has a degree of accountability. It Doesn't matter where you stand on the food chain; everybody has accountability. Then I think, as a leader, there is, you have a responsibility to deal with difficult issues. I think it's. I think partly I'm quite fortunate because of my employment law background. Like for lots of employers, and most disputes occur in the in the workplace because uh, either managers or leaders just don't deal with issues at all. What I've come to learn is that. Uh, staff are very perceptive they're far more perceptive than we perhaps give them credit for they know who is a high performer and who perhaps doesn't perform to a very high standard and who's quite frankly lazy as well and that can have a real negative impact on a business and it can have two forms, really. Firstly, it can seriously damage morale in the business because somebody's thinking, Well, hold on a minute, why am I doing all this work when they're not? Um, and secondly, what the worst scenario is, is that those very high performing employees think, Do You know what, kind of like, why the hell am I doing all this? I might as well go off. And then the employer loses the high performing employees. And I think one of the keys to a manager, to a supervisor, to a leader is to, to, to nip things in the bud. As I say, as an employment lawyer, I found that most disputes occurred because these either a, a, a lack of communication or things are not dealt with and that's exactly what we're seeking to do now so during my time as managing partner you know it's not all rosy and you do have to have very difficult conversations and not just with with members of staff but partners as well I think you know it's all very well delegating the responsibility to me but that doesn't relinquish them of their account to be Accountability, and so I think we are a lot more transparent, but you know we, we i don 't run this business as a, with an iron fist there 's a lot of openness there 's a lot of trust, but I accept people trust is a two way process, but you know on occasions then I have had to deal with you know partners or or have difficult conversations, and sometimes it comes to the point where it 's in the interest of the business and the individual. we go our separate ways and that 's absolutely fine. I think you can always do something you can always have a conversation in a very positive way. I think the great Uh, Unforgivable act of a leader is not having those conversations and not dealing with matters
0: I love that the unforgivable act of a leader is not to have the difficult conversations I think that's absolutely spot-on and what a great line I think that's a really great line which completely resonates and I'm sure it will resonate with many people out there listening Um, I, I Love that so trust is built. I think I'm hearing from consistency from firmness from having shared goals from trying to help people, empowering people, but fundamentally um, insisting that uh, they stick to their accountabilities in the same way that you're expected to stick to yours. So yeah. leadership, in a way, is like a trade. Uh, it's a trade-off between our shared accountabilities, um, and I think that's a very, very powerful position uh, to take. I was really, I really loved, um, you know, you go, you have your, your strategy way days with the partners, and um, sure. the process that you use there I think is kind of quite quite cool and um, it won't suit everybody but I, I think it suits you really well so just tell us a little bit about the process how you get everybody engaged and you know how okay. you get the creation of their their, their numbers that they got to deliver Okay, so uh, again, the strategy is probably the most important meeting for us.
1: And uh, whilst you know, we've, we've changed our model and uh, we're formal corporate now, and I have the responsibility of, of, of implementing the strategy, fundamentally it is the partners, not me, that determines the strategy. And so what we do, we go away for a couple of days, and then about eight weeks prior to the, um, the strategy weekend, I circulate a questionnaire to all the partners. And it's a questionnaire which in effect says, look, well, wh- wh- where do you think, what do you think our strengths and weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are right now. Where do you think the business is right now? Where do you want this business in the future? Where do you see it in the future? So they have about two, three weeks. They fill it, they fill all the questions out. They uh, are entirely anonymous. They don't have to be, but I invite them to make them anonymous, and they come back to me, um, and it's essential, though. It's absolutely essential that every partner engages in this process. I mean, I say to them, if you can't be bothered to fill out the questionnaire, don't even bother coming to the strategy because you don't deserve to be there as a partner. But That's it true. once they... once once they've completed the questionnaire, they all come back to me. So I don't know who has said what. So we have 13 partners now. I don't know who has said what. All I have is a number of answers. And then what I try and do is bring everything together to create some form of strategy and then what I do is present their answers at the strategy weekend to say look this is the feeling I'm getting in terms of this is where you think the strategy and then we have a debate and discussion and we somehow then decide what a firm strategy will be but in addition to that they also have the responsibility during the weekend to give a 20 minute presentation on the way they see their team uh, where so we've set this 2020 vision so we know where the firm's going to be in 2020 vision but i want to know what contribution them they and their team's going to make to the 2020 vision so they have 20 minutes to prepare or to deliver a presentation to the rest of the staff to to the to, to the partners to uh, explain where they see their team so i say to them look don't come uh, to strategy unprepared or you know to waffle on about secretarial disputes or you know, triviality I want to know big thinking in terms of where you see your team and I'm going to write down everything you say in the next 20 minutes and I'm going to hold you all accountable I'm quite happy to be accountable for the firm but you all have accountability for your own team so by the end of the weekend we not only have a firm vision but we also have the individual teams having their own vision and then the partner has accountability I and mean, I quite like football analogies and I always say to the the partners you know you are in effect your own football manager and if you want new players to come in and and you want resources then okay that's absolutely fine i'll support if you, i i trust you implicitly if you want new people coming on board that's absolutely fine but you have your team and how you play your team is a matter for you but we all know that if you don't des- if football teams don't deliver it's not the players, it's the manager that's held accountable, and we all know what happens to managers, football managers, if the team doesn't perform. So I think you know, we have, hopefully, an honesty, but there is accountability that if you want to be a partner of this firm, you know, it's a, I think it's a great firm, I'm very proud of this firm, we, we've got some phenomenal clients, we've got phenomenal staff, um, but as a partner you have huge responsibility, and, and you need to perform to a high level to ensure that you stay and, and remain part of the future of the business.
0: I think it's fantastic. The, uh, the, uh, the idea of um, public commitments, like a, a ceremony where uh, you stand and you make a public commitment, uh, we all know how powerful those are in our lives, and uh, just in connection with um, creating personal accountability to stand and make a public commitment, a statement about what I'm going to achieve or you, my, my team, my colleagues, my firm, is a very powerful thing. Um quite challenging, I just think for people to stand up and do that, and I imagine it sets the bar uh, in terms of um you know what you 're expecting from them um for the rest of the year so it 's a really really clever and um engaging way of doing it i think it's it 's very good i 'm really keen just to hear about what 's ahead for you so um what would you say to the audience is knockhol 's key challenge in the um, period ahead we have this ambiguous market with brexit? sort of yeah, flopping sure. around all over the yeah. place. And what are you, what are your thoughts and what's okay. knockholm's not what to do?
1: So our, our key challenges in, in the future really I think uh, is um, we're a victim of our own success, really. so we've recruited some really good guys and we've raised the profile of the firm. But now we're becoming uh, bait for, uh, for for other firms. So I think the key for us to, to do what we want to do is, as I mentioned earlier, you're only as good as the staff you've got. And it, the the number one priority for this firm is just to retain the staff we've got and to continue to recruit. I think that's a big challenge for for every business, not just law practices or professional services, but for every business, it's just to recruit the very get, best guys. And then when you've got them, it's to retain them so I think that's one of the big challenges to some extent um, I think the second thing for us is that again you know part of the partnership um, where we uh, where we are as a partnership we have people in different uh, stages of their life to some extent really and I think one of my challenges is to manage kind of like short-term partner ambitions with with long-term investment we're very ambitious as a, as a firm and we're trying to invest in the future um, but equal I respect that you know certain individuals are coming to more twilight years of their lives and so we've got to manage those conflicting forces to some extent and I think the third thing for us as well is just really preparing for the next generation of leaders you know we've got I've got a great I'm very fortunate I've got a great partnership team in place right now it all seems to be working well but you know kind of like you know eventually we'll pass the baton on to a new generation and I think every leader and manager has the responsibility of not running the business right now but looking in the future and think okay when my time is over who's going to take over and I think we all have responsibility to nurture and identify those individuals and start giving them the responsibility to hopefully be in a position so they have the skill set I and mean, it's interesting you know again I suspect uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a law firm you know historically we've had people that who have been fantastic lawyers great with clients bill every month and a really talented lawyers but the skill set of a lawyer is very different to that of a of a manager and a leader and I think we've got to ensure that people who are working for us have the or given the support not only to be technically very good but for those that have ambitions in the future to provide them with the tools and the skills to ensure that they can nurture their own leadership skills so they then eventually can move on and and take on uh, the baton when eventually uh, this current generation moves on
0: as well Uh, Really interesting stuff, Um, thank you on behalf of all of the listeners uh, for your insights Darren. Um, I'm just going to summarise what I heard there, I mean uh, there are some great points there throughout but these are the sort of points that sort of resonated with me Uh, and while I'm doing that um, I put a note round, you can fire in questions for Darren into the questions area, we finish officially um, in a couple of minutes time at uh, 9am but I think Darren's happy to stay around for a few minutes for questions. So if you fire your questions into the questions area, then uh, we can field them. And if you hang around just for a few minutes Darren will answer questions for you. Um, uh, so just for me, um, I love the fact that a general practice firm can do well um, in this uh, age of digital disruption and um, you know, uh, trying to innovate new uh, USPs, uh, lots of different models out there, firms trying to t- do things in new ways to try and stand out. And here we have uh, a, a high street firm, you know, uh, has been around for over a century, uh, suddenly coming alive and uh, driving the firm forward really through great um, general practice, uh, very high quality, and fantastic leadership from the whole partner team. Uh, and I think that's a standout lesson for me that uh, traditional methods still resonate in the marketplace if you get your leadership right. I love that thing about having the difficult conversations, too many leaders out there shy away from that and um, won't stay with the difficult conversations, but that's fundamental, that honest, clear conversation to break through. Then I think Darren is just really clear around once the strategy's been set and we have that accountability for everyone, it's all around failure to implement and that's the most important issue. So getting behind everybody, getting the belief there from the team that needs to be done, getting that leadership support, and really then driving uh, the delivery forwards with everybody and making sure they've got the resources and capabilities that they need to deliver on that. Getting everyone rowing in the same direction, so from uh, general practitioners um, all working under one umbrella to everyone working together, that's so powerful uh, for me and uh, very difficult to achieve. And that clarity that delivery is with the managers, so pushing it down, pushing it down to the next level and then from them onto the troops. Uh, And I think just that overall message I get from Darren around, uh, you know, if you have high-performing people, overall performance will grow. I just think that's a wonderful thing uh, to to hear and um, uh, think absolutely right, and uh, sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. If you start to get the right people in the mix, you really recruit hard for talent and for culture, uh, then it starts to grow of its own accord, and that can be pervasive for everybody. Fantastic lessons uh, there. So just a reflection back to everybody as we wrap up the session today before questions. So what's your key insight? Those were mine. I just wonder what uh, your thoughts are. I'd love to hear from you. So file them into the chat area or questions or email me afterwards. And what's the one thing you're gonna take away from today and uh, and put into action? Um, Just before questions then, uh, come back and have a look at uh, our events, pages, on past events, you're gonna find some fantastic stuff. Over the summer we had that panel discussion on emerging trends and leadership issues with the four panelists from the previous quarter, from uh, Amina, from Peter, from uh, David Dunaway and from Chris Highland. Uh, and there you'll also find recordings from Peter Callahan on profit and uncertainty, uh, from Chris Highland on motivation and team effectiveness, from Nikki Fuchs on breathing life into the brand, from Amina on um, overcoming those personal barriers and self-doubt, and then from Professor Dunaway on uh, leading leadership at the cutting edge, sort of high-level global surgery uh, techniques that he's innovated and developed over a over sort of 20, 30-year career. Just incredible things to listen to. Slides from today are going to be up there shortly. And don't forget, you can already come back and um, register for the next one. Um, so, you know, precision and measurement in rugby, how to, how to run rugby from Nick Easter, which will be on the 16th of November, at 830 end. That should be a humdinger. So, um, uh, um, Darren, thank you very much. I just think it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Got some lovely shares from people, so um, from uh, some uh, Richard Gray out there saying, thank you very much, really useful, plenty to reflect on. Love that top-down accountability, which seems to be the key area. uh, A strong managing partner identity. He found it really inspirational. I think that's... uh, completely correct. <laughs> um, great question in here. so um, Darren so one of the questions is um, how, so how do you feel about partnership as a model?
1: Um, I think partnership can work um, I think it, you know I it can be a lonely job being managing partner but to have um, a good quality team around you that are that are bought in you know we've got a lot of um, we, we're very um, hot on collective responsibility. so when we're sat around a partnership table you know we have some pretty difficult decisions sometimes heated debate um, but I think once we we leave that room then there's a real togetherness around the uh, the uh, the partnership and they're very supportive of me so um, um, look, I, I think um, it's like anything in life I, I've, I'm not saying partnerships is the wrong way to, to, to run the business um, I just think um, you just the partnership just needs to be cohesive and the is, sometimes running a partnership can, can be a bit like herding cats but what you need to do is just really get the partners in, engaged in the process and and my view is or my, my, uh, what I've learned is that if you if you speak to your partners and, and you have good quality partners and they're 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 bought into what it's about then your life is a lot it can be uh, to have that support is, is just phenomenal to some extent so yeah, I'm not yeah. saying partnership models wrong but I think uh, you just need to uh, you just need to manage the partners and they need to manage you
0: yeah yeah I, I mean I uh, that came across so strongly from your um, from your presentation I mean actually in a way having sort of senior leadership team around you who are for you but also prepared to be constructively cri- critical those difficult different yeah. conversations actually it can work really well can't it yeah, got a decent leadership structure with your partnership ownership model I think those Absolutely. are the two things yeah. Um and um um another great question uh um uh, here really about um you know all the models the other models that are emerging. Um you know, what do you what do you think of the sort of A B S kind of a- approaches? People going for out there going for private equity and shareholdings, which kind of brings a whole financial different financial strategy to it. Do you think that's um, useful and interesting, or do you think okay? Part- so, I
1: think the legal market we're going through a phenomenal change to some extent, and we've got new entrants into the market. I mean, back in 2010, we had the Legal Services Act, and Tesco's and the co op were all going to come into the market, and that's good for the client. Ultima- ultimately, um, you know, um, it's it's good for the for, for clients and, and for people out there, and competition is good, um, because it makes us more accountable, uh, to delivering high level service and and it gives consumer choice as well. But, I still think. Think, and, and you know a ABS have come in but I still think um, there is demand for good quality legal advice from from law firms like ours uh, operating you know that have been around for a long period of time and um, I think we're trusted I think we're a very trusted brand I think lots of law firms are a trusted brand so there are new no entrants coming into the market and I wish them well but you know all I've got to do is really concentrate on what we're about our clients our staff and uh, and uh, and I think if we do that then then I think we're going to be fine and, and I think any every other law firm you know I know it's tough and lots lots of law firms, lots of law firms, lots of businesses are going out of business, but I think if you have a clear strategy and you get everybody to buy into it and you implement the strategy, I think you're going to be fine.
0: They're really good. Uh, one final question coming through, which I'm just going to throw at you, which is about uh, sort of leaders of the future. You, I mean, a lot of people um, say um, that, uh, you know, in the, um, the new generations, the millennials, we're now Generation Z, maybe, and um, I always get lost on these generation levels. Um, that uh, maybe the desire isn't there as it used to be? I'm not sure I see that, but uh, I didn't hear anything like that from you. I think you've got, you know, you're kind of saying your team are uh, ambitious um, and, um, you know, kind of work as they always did, is is that? We have got a great team. We've got a great team. I think the only observation I
1: would have of a, of a young generation is that they want everything now. So we have yeah. certain individuals that kind of like going, "Okay, I want to be associate, I want to be a partner, and they want everything now, and they're not prepared to wait." Um, so I think one of our challenges is to say, "Hold on a minute, you know, the future's bright for you. You can have a future here, but you know, you can't run before you can walk, and you just need need to acquire and develop and and, and those skills that and, and nurture them. You don't learn them overnight, and I think we'd be doing uh, them." disservice uh, as well as our ourselves a disservice so again it's just having it's just having a really very honest open conversation to say look you know there's no glassine at this firm but do you know what you need to kind of like earn your stripes so to speak before and we'll we'll give you all the skills we'll put you on the leadership courses but you know you've got to you, you you can only get there when we feel it's right and and rather than when you think it's right so I think that's the only observation I think there's lots of talent out there there'll be great leaders in the future I think the only observation I have is that they all want everything
0: now yeah I think that's a great answer, and I think that's true. I think that really reflects what we hear as well. It's um, you know they need to get down um, the experience as well as the sort of intellectual learning, and sort of the challenge for professional firms these days is uh, that you've got you've got that ambition, haven't you? How do you create the opportunities for leadership at a young age, uh, so that they can kind of um, get that experience early on? And uh, I'm going to just finish off by saying I'm sure that working with you, Darren, and with your partners, uh, you're an inspirational team, and. Uh, I bet your mentoring is at a very high level, I and mean, even just watching you guys work will be, uh, will be an inspiration to the youngsters. I'm sure that's part of the reason uh, that, they, uh, that they want to join you. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks everybody for um, listening. Uh, don't forget to go and sign up uh, to our Executive Leaders Forum. That's a free session, so you're welcome to come along and find out what that's like. Uh, I think it's gonna be fantastic. And we look forward to seeing you at the next Strategy Cafe with Nick Easter, um, looking at um, performance in, in rugby. Thank you very much, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.